Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer, Brandon Jones, and myself, Dan Strafford, along with you. And on this episode, we revisit a topic we talked about on a previous one, Quizbot, a new chatbot from Stanford University, sort of tipping the scales on flashcards and digital flashcards to be more interactive. We'll get into more depth about the specific app that's been built. But Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Is this, is this the, are you the human Dan Strafford asking me that question? Uh, I, I'm not sure I could tell. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, I heart bots. Uh, and uh, I liked when we teased this before and I'm ready to, uh, to, to get back into it. So I'm, I'm doing well. We had uh, previously talked about this on the robot puns episode at the end and now revisiting the topic here on this episode. Mike, how are you doing? I am doing delightfully well. And uh, I look forward to meeting new chatbot friends in my future and learning with them. You know, I like still on the record, I'm staunchly hashtag team human. However, uh, a chatbot companion or two may help make me smarter. So, uh, so I, I, I like some of the learning possibilities of chatbots and I'm excited to talk about that. This is a, a small sample size alert when we talk about this study. It was 36 students, so it's very much in its early stages. But uh, the quiz bot from Stanford has uh, shown that students rec correctly recalled over 25% more right answers for content covered on the quiz bot as compared to flashcards or flashcard apps and spent more than 2.6 times longer studying with quiz bot versus flashcards. And Mike, we've talked about chatbots in the past. We've talked about robots. We've talked about the interactivity uh, that we're looking for. This seems to fit in with all of the good side of robots that we've talked about. Maybe helping students with studying, maybe even a loneliness aspect where you have an actual interaction with the quiz bot. Uh, and from this small study, it seems like retention is up and study time is up. Yes. Was that a question? I, I agree with all those things. <laughs> that, that it, that those, are, those are good uh, talking points uh, coming out of this article. Yeah, I mean, like, there's obviously good application of technology, bad application of technology, and then there's places where emerging capabilities map nicely to learning, and I think chatbots are a great example of that. And, uh, you know, even if you look at uh, what Duolingo does uh, frequently around uh, conversational English uh, or conversational languages, uh, you know, chatbots are just a natural way to help you learn language as well. You know, it's a... It's also a very, um, it's an emerging, chat is an emerging form of verbal communication. Uh, so in some ways, the bots are part of that uh, communication format anyway. Like there's already this uh, expectation of some blend of humanity and, uh, and automation around the chat. Uh, so I think it's a really fascinating place. I do think it's where there'll be the most, um, human computer interaction in a way that is uh, feels the most authentic to humans. Uh, so that's, and I think it's pretty easy to get there. Like I, I mentioned on the previous show, I think it's easy to pass the Turing test in chat. And I think that'll make it an interesting place where um, people kind of go in knowing there's a little bit of artifice to the interaction, but it still feels like you're interacting with uh, a consciousness on the other side. And I think that's a big part of learning. Uh, I don't think it's a, I think there's a risk that learning becomes too solipsistic. And I think this is a way for it to, to continue to feel like an exchange because I think that triggers our brains differently. Yeah, just a couple of points on that building off from there, Mike. So 
there is a consciousness on the other side, right? In as much as if you're chatting with a chatbot and you're getting, and I'll get to this point in a second around how this you know, quiz bot actually works. Um, you're getting uh, positive encouragement, for example, if you get something right, uh, or hints with positive framing if you need a hint. And the consciousness that you're engaging with is, is that of the programmers, like the, the people who write the algorithm and then you know it's, this is through machine learning it does learn itself but um you know the the way that someone would write right on or great effort like that that is actually a human who was involved in that um initially and so i think i'm, I'm maybe making a, a stretch here but i i think that you you are accessing uh, what was originally a human uh who was you know behind uh, a computer screen uh, programming this this chatbot, you're still accessing her or him, which I think is is interesting. So the the verisimilitude, you're, you, people are willing to suspend their disbelief and they don't need to think that it's actually a human typing, but it's not like a lot of that was auto-generated by the chatbot itself. It was in fact given a lot of that uh, that those commands um, from its human creators. So I think that's part of it. It feels human because it wa- it once was. Um, and then in terms of the the actual quiz bot, which I don't think we covered in great detail on uh, what it how it actually works and what right. it does. So it's uh, the, and it was tested up against flashcards, right? So the job to be done uh, flashcards ostensibly is to help people uh, encode and then recall information, knowledge, take, right? Take- Take that flashcards. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to 2019 flashcards. This little That's right. Chatbots. Flashcards. You had a great like second half of the 20th yeah. century, but your time <laughs> is up. Um, so that's the job to be done. And so I think that if the quiz bot is outperforming flashcards in measures of recall, like that is what flashcards are supposed to do. There isn't another job for, for the, those flashcards um, to do. So, um, but the, the thing where the quiz bot is superior is in this, set, this sort of interaction is that it, you know, it, it can respond conversationally with a student and then identify what it calls in this article anyway is near miss answers and in a way that flashcards can't. So flashcards and even I think today's digital flashcard apps are more or less binary. You either, you know, you either understand it or you don't. Um, oftentimes, um, knowledge is a little bit more nuanced, right? You kind of understand it. And the way to get from kind of to more than kind of is specific to what kind of you kind of know, right? And so I think that's that's a place where um, this quiz bot is, is actually pretty clearly superior. And then you wrap all of that in this sort of encouraging, uh, as I was talking about before, so I want to get to this, like in this encouraging tone. And We've talked a lot on this pod. Learning is hard. It's really hard. If you're doing it, you're in the zone of proximal development. Everything should feel hard. And so having something that sounds like someone say, hey, good job, I think is probably really uh, appreciated and thus makes it more likely that you're actually going to learn, retain, recall. Um, so th- that's how it works. And, uh, and it does seem like it works. We, we've talked a lot about coaching as well, or the aspect of teaching and coaching and encouragement. And I think to your point, Brandon, this quiz bot 
goes that way as well. Helps to keep the student engaged and you know keep them positive, keep them moving forward, engage them on maybe a wrong answer and how they got it wrong, which is intriguing. Uh, it does also, from uh, how it's built, really interestingly, as Brandon was talking about, the near misses is what's from a, a AI perspective, what I find so intriguing, being able to come up with the variety of different answers that are right, the variety of answers that are almost right, and then those that are wrong and be able to determine what's the next text that is put to a student. Mike, you talked about uh, the Turing test. You talked about knowing that this is in fact a robot. Do you think if Stanford had put this forward as more human-like, more, you know, Dan with an avatar, my picture, whomever's picture, that it would be less likely to, to be acceptable if someone found out then it was in fact a computer? Um, or do you think the fact that it's a penguin or whatever the picture is and openly a, a chat bot uh, more important here for, for the user? Uh, I, think, I think a lot of it comes down to the concept of emotional design, you know, so, so and, and also like the uncanny valley, which we've talked about on many of our shows. So, uh, so uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of depth, but like the closer that uh, robots begin to resemble humans, uh, there's a point at which they start to get close to human, but not quite there, that humans find very uncanny, unnerving. Um, and, uh, you know, a Japanese roboticist in the 70s came up with this concept, and it's still relevant today. We've even talked about the second uncanny valley where humans start to resemble robots uh, and sort of abnegate their, uh, their humanity. I think chatbots are interesting because they're in that sort of demilitarized zone of chat where like to Brandon's point, there is some suspension of disbelief. Uh, that was the exact direction I was gonna go when you said it, uh, Brandon. So like, I think there is an awareness that it is not genuine, uh, which is almost that sense of othering that's on the other side of the uncanny valley, where um, I, it could get distracting, I think, if you start to introduce too much humanity into this exchange, because like, it's nice that it's, designed entirely for my cognitive development. It's designed to be supportive, good emotional environment. And then it's using a format that I'm very uh, naturally communicative in. Uh, so I think it helps keep stuff in your working memory. And it's also probably motivating, um, especially if the algorithms that uh, the programmers used were were intentionally designed to surprise in the way that humans play with humor and play with surprise to continue to maintain the engagement. Um, so I do think there's a real art to the programming of it, to, to Brandon's point. And um, I think that that artistry will continue to parallel just great natural human engagement. And I think increasingly those are gonna start to, to blend. Uh, and I think the most blending is going to happen in chat. So that's why I think developing this type of stuff, uh, I think, makes a ton of sense. Uh, and then uh, there are also a lot of tools now that allow you to sort of, you know, it's almost like cruise control. It's like the chat bot is on and then you can administrate a lot of chat and then decide where you intervene with a human. And then when do you upgrade to on camera with the human or higher levels of touch? Um, I think that's where a lot of the, the, these sort of interactive tools, it also does remind me of our March Madness winner, Interactive Everything. Chatbots are very much part of Interactive Everything because like it does feel more, you don't need to be self-motivated in the way that you do with flashcards. 
when you're in a back and forth because like you want to continue with that engagement and i think that's good emotional design that kind of builds these feedback loops that keep you um using using these types of tools uh so and it's great that they're doing research about it you know that they were actually seeing even if it's a small sample size that this is the type of stuff you can measure um although my hot take is uh you know they they kind of chose a patsy in in round one you know so like <laughs> It's basically this proved that like flashcards are not that great a tool is the way I would think about it. It, it, which is great. I mean, like, and to understand, you know, and you know, we'll do the in memoriam segment for flashcards later on today. Um, and then there's still a little bit of like, if you have the grit to use the flashcards, it may actually be more beneficial then because you can motivate and get into it and do it. You could do it offline. We've talked about the risk around screens, but um, there is something very, um, sticky about chat and feedback with another uh and then even the fact that the other is a robot or is programmed in some ways is even more intriguing because you're like you almost want to play with it to see it's like when you ask alexa to do something wacky you know you just kind of want to see did they program around this this turn and uh it's very interesting uh you know, emerging category, I think, you know, because people will have to program this stuff to, to Brandon's point. And how do you program that for learning? Uh, I think is a really interesting area. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I, I'm, you know, I just like uh, humans can do better in terms of artistic uh, engagement in all sorts of ways. I think that there's going to be a range in, if you imagine that chat bots and quiz bots are, uh, become more de rigueur than the people who are the humans again, the people people who are better than the than others will presumably build more effective and joyful experiences for you know their customers um, and that those will eventually sort of you know through free market rise to the top and and I think that's that's going to be interesting to see. I, I will say, I think it's not not quite time for in memoriam flashcards yet, um, because they do. I mean, you talked about this, Mike, but just to hit this beat too, there is an offline version, uh, offline experience for flashcards that I think is still valuable, and the sort of tactile nature. You know, we we uh, we at Kaplan uh, we actually sell a lot of flashcards um, through uh, mostly through Amazon, which is where people buy mostly everything. Um, and it's interesting people like in, in the comments and, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just talking about things that are publicly available here. You can read them. People talk about how they value the in-hand experience yeah. that I think is different than an in-app experience, even if that app happens to be on a device that's in your hand. So, um, you know, I think that uh, digital flashcards versus Quizbot, Quizbot won. And I hope we'll continue to win, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, paper flashcards while you're on the go, while you're on the train, while you're on the whatever, when you want to get away from screens. Mike, you made this point about the screenlessness piece. Like, I think there's a, it may actually be that there's a different job to be done um, sure. or that the doing of the job differently helps encode in a different way. Um, yeah. So, so let's, uh, uh, don't, don't uh, burn your flashcards yet. This isn't, uh, I don't know if it's 451 degrees that you need to burn flashcards at, but it's not, uh, it's not burning flashcards time quite yet. Um, yeah, well, but it's excited I, to see where this goes. Well, and also the power of print, right? You know, the power of something you can hold in your hand and the emotional connection to something you can uh, even draw on or, you know, perforate 
Do you perforate it? No, you rip it. That's comes perforated. It comes perforated. Like the flashcards that don't come pre-perforated. Yeah. Uh, those are real. Those are the worst. You could build your own though. You could, you could, you know, make or prep it and like get your, like, it right. You got to get like that, that big, like you had in schools, the, the thing that it looks like very threatening, the, the, the yeah. big chopper, the one that goes, you know, those yeah. like the, yeah, those big use, ones. Yeah. For sure. yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it is interesting to be experimental because I also think like the mixed modality is interesting too. Like where would you, how could a chatbot, you know, when I think about chatbots, I also start thinking about audio and uh, synthetic voice is getting a lot better. Um, and as that starts to become a mode, you know, the interesting thing about chat, we've talked about it more in the other direction where audio can generate text, but like chatbot, uh, if when chatbots can also uh, deliver voice, right. that is, that's an interesting mode, uh, even for on the go, you know, this is, this does tie a little bit back to when we were talking about hearables where like if you could actually activate the chatbot just through what you're thinking and then hear the response, you could develop a pretty effective chatbot tool uh, really entirely through your ears and your thoughts. Look at that, look at that, like, like Kickstarter. Patent uh, pending, patent pending. Kickstarter together shortly, yes. I, I do think uh, lots of great points here. When you talk about the, the voice chatbot, I think I mentioned last time out, the app I have on my phone is a riddle app, which is spoken. So my, my daughters interact and speak the answer and the phone will say yes or no, or will give another clue. And it's all verbal, it's all audio. Uh, so I, I do think already that's out there. Uh, I also think Mike, you made a great point before. Now we see chat a lot in service and an industry, you know, uh, on an Amazon, we see it on obviously lots of uh, sites where you're buying something, you'll get a pop up saying, Hey, can I help you? Or I know many banks have them now. The escalation, Brandon, I was wondering your thoughts on this of going from chat with a robot to chat with an individual to then chat uh, video chat seems like a great spot for education and for that escalation of someone who has to learn more. What are your thoughts around how to build that out and, and really understand the escalation for an individual student or a group of students that might work well with what Stanford has built here in QuizBot? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think it's easier probably to think about that escalation for an individual student than for a group. I mean, I think that there's, for the group of students, there is a different, I keep on using the phrase jobs to be done, but there is a different job to be done or a, a set of jobs to be done where like the social element of learning is one that uh, a lot of people actually value and I think is, is probably helpful to the encoding. It it's, has its limitations because there is a teaching to the middle uh, effect or uh, not being able to personalize, individuate the teaching that happens. But I think that's counterbalanced by the fact that we are social animals and we, we like learning, being, interacting with other humans. Um, so, but to the question that you asked, and Mike was talking about this a little bit, like the idea of having a, an automated chatbot um, that is serving many, could be, you know, millions, uh, you know, a, a big, big number uh, at the same time. And I think, I think I'm going to try to wrap a couple answers in the same here. I, I think that actually having something that isn't pretending to be a human is superior because among other things, like you're not going to believe that a human is going to have the response time of a, of a algorithmically programmed and then machine learning chatbot. Like it happens, they write 
I'm using the word right uh, here with their quotes, but uh, it's, it's hundreds of characters instantly. Like that's not, no one's believing that someone's out there typing it. So anyway, you've got that first level. If you think about it sort of like level one, level two, level three support, um, you know, you can apply that in an educational context as well. Someone gets to a place where she, her needs are not going to be met by that chat bot. And so that, that, that bumps up to humans who are chatting. Human chat, it's going to be slower, but it's going to be human. And then for those who still aren't getting it with chat or need, you know, aren't getting it as used loosely, that need additional scaffolding support, you can bump that up to a level three, which could be video chat with a human. Um, and I think that is a way to extend humans who are um, really, really great instructors. And we've, I've been in the business of working with really great instructors like my whole life um, are scarce and not cheap. And so it's, I think that kind of construct is a way to extend those, um, you know, the precious uh, human resources that you have over a really big population. So I think that's, that is absolutely the way that uh, a lot of outfits, educational outfits are going to go and are going. Um, and how that intersects with uh, group setting is, uh, I think, I'm not sure that it escalates from that level three to a level four, which is with a group of humans, but I think that still serves, uh, serves a role too. Makes a, a lot of sense to me, and I think there's a lot to build on here. Mike, any final thoughts on, on QuizBots, what might be next, what you would want to see next from this Stanford study or, or a, a future study between QuizBots, flashcards, or another opponent maybe for QuizBots that you think should enter the, the QuizBot dome? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd like to see a broader applications of QuizBots uh, if we think chatbots like this could be useful in things besides um, matching exercises, which basically what um, what flashcards are, you're trying to associate two ideas. Um, so how quickly could they tweak and extend on uh, that construct uh, and then apply it to things beyond uh, learning vocabulary? Because uh, I think it gets difficult. I think there are always places where technology maps beautifully to solving a problem. Uh, but I think when you start talking about higher level conceptual understanding, um, I think that's where you would need to pair uh, uh, a human uh, instructional designer or teacher to, uh, to truly like connect the component parts that you could quickly develop for with chatbots, um, but um, but yeah, I think it's kind of an open uh, it's an open area of uh, discovery. The other thing that I think is interesting when you talk about chat, and maybe this is my last thought, is uh, you know connecting the real time chat to more threaded chats like social like uh, Reddit or Slack or Twitter, where like those formats are kind of blending together. Uh, as well, and how much do I need the real-time speed, you know, which Brandon was talking about, versus program programming in natural like latencies of responses. You know, I think about the, the importance of uh, spaced repetition and not, you know, just cramming. So, like, how can you start to leverage some of those less real-time formats that are very similar to chat, text-based formats that aren't real-time? Those also tend to be group formats. Um, are there ways to build that broader connected ecosystem that sort of moves, like it spikes around these live sessions and then subsides into these longer format message board type technologies? Um, 
and then I think I haven't heard as much about the 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 bots that could be leveraged in those types of contexts. But I know Slack in particular is designed for a developer community who can develop those types of bots. So um, I think we have to lean into this blending. Like it's not going to go anywhere, and I think it's going to be really additive to. Uh, to our ability to learn more and engage more and do it a lot faster and at scale. Uh, so, so I think it's a really interesting area to keep an eye on. Yep, as everything connects together, how do we you know, bridge those gaps between certain types of communication? I think that's a great point around Slack and Twitter and the different chats there and the live interactive chat that we're talking about here with QuizBot. I will say I, I really enjoyed the line at the end of this article. Uh, Brandon, you're saying don't, don't do the in memoriam yet for flashcards, but the, the final line was the researchers think QuizBot could be the dawn of a post flashcard world for informal learning as a very strong end to this article. Uh, and we'll see if that is in fact the case or if uh, flashcards live on uh, for a while after. Plenty still to talk about on this topic. We'll come back to QuizBots in the future and we'll talk about chatbots, I'm sure, as well. As we roll on here on Trending and Education, find us as always on Twitter at Trending and Ed. Same on Facebook, trendingineducation.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Trending in Education.